Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Holy Martin. Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? It's the day before New Year's Eve. We are on episode 99. Our guest today is comedian Ben Glebe. And I am excited for this. We have one more episode left and we will be at 100 episodes for the new year. And uh, then we're going to just take a quick break and we'll be back in 2021 with a brand new slate of episodes. But yes, we're talking with Ben Glebe. He is the co-creator, co-founder of the Nowhere Comedy Club. And we've had several guests on our show who have done sets there a virtual a virtual comedy club, say that 10 times fast. And we're going to talk about that and so much more. Ben is the absolute best. Uh, he's got some other things he's doing, a New Year's Eve special with Greg Proops. He's got his improv show, Glebe Off the Top. We're going to cover it all in this uh, quick and dirty interview. Ben Glebe, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here, my friend. Thanks so much for having me, Brent. Well, I'm excited, folks. We were joking a little bit uh, before we started recording he had a Steve Hofstetter like screen layover that he showed up in. And ironically enough, uh, we interviewed him earlier today, which that episode will be going up here in a couple weeks, maybe sooner. But this episode with Ben, this will be live uh, just the day before New Year's Eve. He's a busy man. Um, they say he's one of the funniest and hardest working people in the business. And I think that's very true. I, how do you find time to do everything that you do. Thanks, man. Uh, it's it's a lot of, of very detailed schedules without a lot of gaps. And then a lot of things fall through the cracks and I don't get all the things done that I want to do, but I try my best. And uh, you just have to be willing to put in the hours of a real, like not even a full-time job, but like a job where you're like startup life, but it just doesn't ever stop. I get that. And then sometimes I'll see you on Instagram at night doing Instagram lives after you've had, it's funny the way people interact with celebrities like yourself. I find it so interesting because I mean, it's a chance like for you, for them to connect with you uh, in a setting that they might not normally do unlike unless it's an interview like this but then you're doing instagram lives do you ever sleep at all <laughs> i guess i don't sleep very much i uh i try you know in re in the last couple of years to get six to eight hours sleep when i can i do it sometimes i often fail and get just three or four hours sleep sometimes five but I usually go to bed at, at the earliest at around 2 or 3 a.m., but usually more like a 4 or 5 or 6 a.m. bedtime. Yeah, I can imagine so, especially balancing life and folks and family and entertainment. It's crazy. A lot going on. Yeah, you're a busy man. Well, it's definitely proven successful and well for you, clearly because of just I was going through everything that you've done, and there's just so much to cover. But let's talk about this Nowhere Comedy Club. It's come up a few times with different guests that I've had who have either performed again, Mr. Hofstetter, he's one of the co-founders along with yourself. How did this idea from your side come about and sort of how did that all get created and, and how did it all take off? You know, I had a, a, a year where last year, 2019, where I, you know, pursued something very out of the box for a comedian. And so 
I'm very proud of it and glad I did it, but it took my income down very low last year. And so I really was counting on 2020 to be a year where I got back uh, to normal amounts of money and career building. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, holy shit, I've got no prospects for income now. And what can I do? And it was really just self-preservation. I, I, I thought I have to be able to make money doing stand-up. And I just thought about it for a second. And I thought, well, we're not allowed to leave the house. What if I could create a virtual comedy club? And I thought, how could you do that? And I thought, well, comedy clubs need laughter in the moment in real time. You need to be able to see and hear people. So I was like, what? I, I, my next immediate thought was, what if we use video conferencing software and allow the audience to be on camera and on mic with us? And you allow them to laugh and you just produce it well in a way that they won't be disruptive, but they'll be a total value add. And I thought that would work. And I called the person who I know who is best at both technical things in comedy and at executing things really quickly in comedy and really well, Steve Hofstetter. And he loved the idea. And we just immediately launched literally the next day. We did a test show and two days later started doing this live stream show called the Social Distancing Social Club that we still do. We've just done, I think, our 180th episode, and we do it four times a week for 90 minutes per time. And we have comedians come on, and they get tips, and they get paid to be on the show. Uh, that way, already in the neighborhood of $50,000 made for them in tips. And we also raised money for the Martin Grant in honor of Steve's late father, and we are able to give out $31,000 grants yeah. just to comics who weren't even on the show, just who needed it because of COVID. And... And we were able to have the audience, We the premise of that show is we have the audience also can buy a ticket to be in the video front row with us and be on camera and laugh and then play a pun game with us at the end of the show that kind of evolved out of it. And it's become this amazing cult following, really cool show, SDSE, Social Distancing Social Club. And I host it with Chris Bowers and Rachel Gallagher and, and, and Steve. And then after a few weeks of that, maybe a month, uh, Steve and I started talking again about the idea of the original thing I called him with, which is let's actually create a comedy club. We created a comedy club vibe initially. Our first slogan for SDSC was a comedy club in the palm of your overwashed hand. <laughs> and then we thought, let's actually do it. And we figured out a name and we figured out how we'd make it work uh, financially. And Steve had the really brilliant idea of instead of trying to sell as many tickets as possible, limit the amount of tickets, make it like a real venue, and then it's private, and then the shows are a hot commodity that you want to get a ticket to. And we combined those together and started this business that we started mid-April, like literally very quickly was up and running. And when people were doing really bad, everybody on mute Zoom shows, or everybody talking loud Zoom shows, we had a staff hired we had employees, we had protocol, we had social media marketing, we had email and text marketing, we had the whole thing figured out in a way where the show quality was really great and felt like a real big event and a real big show. And now we've done over 300 private wow. ticketed stand-up comedy shows and have made approaching $600,000 for comedians that have lost income due to touring disappearing and are able to give them an income and make a few dollars ourselves and what we didn't necessarily anticipate going into this is that we really helped solve the problem of live entertainment disappearing for people around the globe at a time when they really needed it most. And this club has meant a lot to a lot of people, and it's been the most rewarding thing maybe I've ever done in my life. And then we realized, sorry, it's a rambling answer, but there's so much. No, I love it. Um, we also realized there were all these niches of people that 
regardless of the pandemic, that always wanted to go to comedy shows live but couldn't due to either financial restraints or babysitter problems or geographically remote areas that comics don't go to or social anxiety or disabilities. And they can all now experience a full comedy club experience from their home. And we have people thanking us every day that we help them get through this pandemic, that we they pray it doesn't go away. We've been there crazily at people's side, even towards the end of, even all the way up until the end of their lives during this crazy time and bringing them some laughter and some joy during this. We've seen people's full life cycles. People have started dating and have fallen in love with the loves yeah, of their lives that That's from crazy. our community. It, it is wild. And so we've created this amazing world and the ancillary amazing benefit of it also is that for once in my career, I have some degree of job security as a comedian because I don't have a boss that can take this away or some network that can cancel it. I own this. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not like Netflix or Hulu or any of these other networks who, which to me, that's a whole different conversation about how they even quantify pulling a show when it just streams. I'm sure they have their reasons. It's yeah. funny. They just pulled my show Idiot Test off Netflix like a week ago. I just found out I was I still promoting it. Like 2020 had to get one more in there right before the year ended. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, that was a real bummer when I found out about that because I don't get it. I mean, we could have a whole podcast just on what goes into the thinking of when you have these great shows, right? Like yours or anything. And then all of a sudden, like it gets yanked and then you have other stuff that's on there and you're like, why would anybody ever watch this? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I can tell you a little bit about it, and it's a bummer they don't tell the hosts. You know, Chappelle was criticizing recently. At least he's got millions of dollars to soften the blow. Not only do we not make any money when a show like that goes on Netflix, not a penny, but they don't even tell you, tell you when it's gone. My game show was the second in history to be a game show on Netflix. It was Jeopardy and then Idiot Test. And they had a limited time option to have the show. So sometimes the shows get pulled because the run is up, but they had the option to buy 20 more episodes or to license 20 more. And they didn't. And I know for a fact, people were loving it on Netflix because I was getting messages almost more than when the show first debuted on the air. People are in love with it, would binge the whole thing in one day or in one weekend. All 20 episodes. Thank you. So the only good news is I just found out we're all not only we're on Game Show Network still, but we're on Pluto TV. Okay. I didn't even know what it was, but it's an app you can download on Apple TV or Roku or any of those things for free. And they have all of season one, which is 41 episodes instead of just the 20. So at least people can now see 21 they haven't seen maybe. So it was on Game Show Network originally, I remember when that was a thing. And then did Netflix license it from you? Is that how that worked or did they just... Not from me, from Game Show Network. Okay, so interestingly enough, they licensed it. And just like a lot of people, you didn't see anything from it. And it's crazy. Like, it's so insane. No, I really like the candidness because, you know, when I talked about this with him earlier is that, you know, a lot of people don't have the power, you know, to stand up against somebody like Chappelle did and get them to pull down not just off of one network but two massive streaming platforms but i think he and netflix have a very special relationship you know because obviously you know the first few specials he did he had already recorded and they basically bought them from him for some ungodly amount of money and then they said you know now we want you to do three more can you do it he gave him a number it's crazy you know how all that works and and that's where i think what you guys are doing 
I think once COVID ends or the new normal comes about, people will still go to clubs, but I think it gives you another option to participate in entertainment. It's a lot more intimate. And you actually, and we had Brad Williams, I think did something. You have an actual studio that you built, right? Like a full on production studio. This isn't just, and I've seen pictures on IG. It's not just like, you know, a computer screen and a microphone and, or a TV. It's like, you've got, like a video wall and like all kinds of stuff, right? It's like the real deal. Yeah, we built a full-on beautiful broadcast studio with a floating stage and 31 feet of video wall where you can be literally surrounded by anybody in your audience that wants their cameras turned on. And it's as close as you can come to performing at an in-person venue. So Steve and I really wanted to make sure that we we built that and gave comedians a chance to not only do a show from their home, but if they want to be able to do a show even closer to a real-life scenario and not worry about the tech at all and have an even better experience that they could do that. And we built it in my home, so it's super convenient for me. Just go downstairs to the basement. It's literally right there. It's All right, guys, I got to go. I've got a show tonight. You know, just uh, I work from home, too. So funny that I literally just come downstairs and like get to my desk and start working. Yeah, I'm in my office right now. And check this out. I'll pull the webcam off of my computer here. Oh, there you look, go. Right over there is our floating stage of the comedy That's club. That's legit, man. Yeah, I can. Wow. You have a little green room there for people to... Uh... Now, do you kind of give it the comedians the options? Like, I know some have come live, some do it from home. Is there a preference for you? If, if I mean, obviously, you have your protocols. I've seen you talk about that. Do they prefer to come there or if they're in L.A.? Or do they just want to do it from home? I mean, what's kind of the, is it 50-50? Uh, generally speaking, people, and if they know about this, they'd like to come here. But we don't even invite everybody to come here. It's really just for some of the top acts that of don't course. know what to do. And we're tr- and that we're trying to convince to do a show. We say, come perform in this beautiful stage. Um, we're trying to keep as few people out of our house as possible for COVID reasons too. We still, it's like you said, it's fully COVID compliant. We have a COVID uh, UV light air filter in the whole house and people enter around the side and it's an outdoor green room. They come in just into a cordoned off part of the house. But um, so I don't prefer tons coming here either, but if there's somebody that's we're, we're that we'd kill to get to come play the club, we definitely make the offer. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's so crazy. Like how quickly you're, community pivoted uh when this all happened and uh, you know the the movie industry you know i was like well that's a bummer you know i'm gonna miss my tv shows but i live in the bay area so i'm close to multiple clubs i love going to comedy shows at least a couple times a month if i can the last person i went and saw was you know up in san jose at the improv and that was just right when this all started to come about. It was kind of a conversation. It was Taylor Tomlinson and Irene too. And she was joking about, oh, oh I don't I don't feel great. You know, maybe I have COVID. And people were like, ha, ha, ha. And then like a month later, you know, the stay-at-home order goes into effect. And like your livelihood, I don't think people get that, is, is based on touring and performing and selling out a club over a weekend. And when you can't do that, it's like, not everybody is like super independently wealthy and can just have a no chunk doubt. of change, you know, and even some of those people, I think, are kind of sweating it, I would imagine, because they have a staff of 300 people that they have to employ on top of their expenses, especially if you have a home and and cars and stuff. But you seem to have pivoted well. You have another fun project that you do. Well, there's a couple. One, you and Greg Proops, you have a show. Uh, he's another great friend of the show. He's the best. 
And uh, but you have something that you're doing, Gleeb Off the Top, which is an improv show. You just do a lot of different sections of comedy, and now you're doing this improv. What is that? all about when people have the opportunity to check it out. So yeah, I'm doing a big New Year's Eve show with Greg Proops. He and I do a monthly show called Glebe and Gre- Greg and Glebe off the, uh, sorry, Greg and too many shows. Greg and Glebe, it's a G thing yes. where we do whose line is it anyway style improv games together and take questions. And it's a very fun show. And like one of the honors of my career to be able to do a show with him, who, a man who I've always admired and loved so much. And so we're doing a special New Year's Eve show. He called me and said, you want to do a New Year's Eve spectacular together? And I said, hell yes, let's do that. So people can ring in the new year with us and have a midnight toast and play a drinking game. And then our VIP cocktail hour after the show, we're going to tell people um, how to make a proper cocktail. Yeah, I um, saw that. That's how to, how to make our favorites. And if, if, by the way, if your listeners want to use the promo code, promo code, one word, we, we made it just for this appearance on your show. Uh, they can use the promo code and get a little discount on tickets as well, even to the VIP or whatever. Um, and then I started doing my own monthly show originally. Now it's weekly because the response was so amazing, called Glebe Off the Top, Crowd Work and Improvised Madness. And it really is madness. You know, I got my start in improv mm-hmm. um, before I transitioned to stand-up, and crowd work is something I still have done my whole career. Very, very, uh, I just do it all the time. I don't even often have the discipline to do a whole set without it. Even in my Showtime special, I did eight minutes of crowd work during yeah, my Yeah, I know. Session. And that's incredible to be able to hold your breath for that long and work the crowd. Thanks. Uh, it's crazy. Let's talk about that. Just the idea of crowd work. I want to delve into that because a lot of comics talk about it. Like if you go to a comedy club, most people don't want to sit in the front row because you know that you are prime target, most likely to get picked down or pointed out and how you respond to the comedian when they kind of ruffle your feathers a little bit can often determine how that moment is going to turn out. It can either turn out amazing and fun and go, I had a badass experience or Jesus, I wish I had sat in the cheap seats up top. Mm-hmm. What, how, how did you get so good at it? Like what is your secret sauce to just being able to really make people have fun, but also kind of poke at them a little bit as well? You know, I, 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 it's a big question. I don't know exactly how it all shook down. My theories are that, you know, I had a severe speech problem growing up. And so my brain would, I'd always had a comedic brain, but I would hit blocks where I couldn't make certain sounds, couldn't say certain things. So I had to think of other ways to say the same thought with different letters, different phraseologies. And so I think it like wired my neurons to operate fast, faster, maybe than a lot of people. And so I can just take left and right turns very quickly. So a lot less time passes before I think of something good to say. And being bullied a lot in my life, I think it taught me about where the line is how not to cross it, how to have fun with people without ever making them upset because I would never want to do that. And so I, I just feel like I intrinsically understand exactly how much you can push somebody where the audience is like, holy shit, did he just say that to him? But the person <laughs> is also laughing and smiling and having a good time. And that's the line that I walk. You know, in, in 2016, I did eight straight shows. I was the first comic ever in history to do a full headline set on Facebook Live. And we streamed it live and it had like 300,000 plus people watching live. And I just did it in every city for the rest of my tour on my Saturday night late show. I would do a whole hour improvised. And so we're chopping that up in addition to a bunch of other shows that I, that I did subsequently that I've been taping per Steve's advice. And we're going to be releasing one stand-up clip every day of the week, five days a week come, come January, just to kind of try to get my brand where Hofstetter's is. Cause he's so good at being consistent with that. But I took that 
crowd work vibe and just made it into something really fun where it feels like a community. Like you want to get made fun of by me. You want to be part of the show. So that's what we do in Glebe off the top. My, you know, the show's madness and my audience for the community we've built are called the mad ones because we want to come and share this madness together and experience this very strange experience together. And so we elect a mayor every episode Every time nice. we, we do a live one at Nowhere, we elect a mayor and then they have certain powers and responsibilities and they pass the, the, the honor on from the past mayor. And then we have special guests like Jamie Kennedy and Adam oh, Ray. And we have yeah. some other people that are, we're planning on, on joining me soon for the show. And it's just a weird, wild community. And the show goes long and we just have a blast kind of improvising together. And I use these face filters and play a million different characters and it just becomes a family. It's really, really fun. I love it. I think it's just great. Jamie Kennedy's the best. I, I mean, you've just got a lot of fun and fantastic people uh, coming on. There's so many projects and all of this will be in the show notes. I know we have a hard stop. I want to talk about your podcast, get that out there as well. If people aren't familiar with it, um, it's uh, Last Week on Earth with Ben Glebe. Let's talk about that. If people haven't heard about it, what can they expect when they tune in and listen? Thanks so much for saying it, man. Um, I've been doing it for a very long time, since 2011 I've been doing it. It's on Before Kevin podcasting Smith's- was cool, you were doing podcasting. That's right. <laughs> That's right, man. Since 2011 on Kevin Smith's Modcast Network. And we started huge out of the gate. We were number nine on iTunes Comedy. And then we were always in the top 50, top 100 in the first few seasons. And I just kind of had to take long gaps because mine's a news-based podcast. You know, Rogan gave me the advice when I started. He's like, are you sure you want to do a topical podcast where you can't bank them? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, okay, good luck, buddy. And he was right. And you you, you get burned out. I'm, I'm doing a daily show by myself without a staff, you know? So I'm trying to summarize and satirize the world every week and tell you a lot of weird news, serious news, strange news, science trends, all kinds of things. And, you know, our community, there's the, the brain trust, because I rely on the audience also to weigh in every episode and to tell me their thoughts on things. And so it's just a very fun, we've done over 250 episodes, but, you know, we've dropped out of the top 100 in recent years because of these gaps, but we still are have an amazing dedicated following. And that's why it's the brain trust. Like, I know they will always be there for me and I've tried to be there for them at least when important things happen. And we just launched a brand new season two weeks ago and I'm going to be releasing my year end episode uh, tomorrow or the latest will come out in the morning of the 31st. And uh, it's just a great way to kind of make sense of the craziness happening in the world. Yeah. It's a fun, uh, lighthearted way to kind of take a look at things and amazing work, my friend. I would love to have you back again sometime after the new year when we have more time to kind of, talk about different things. I know you've got to get ready for a bunch of things, but if people want to connect with you uh, on social media, check out what you're doing. How can they do so? Thank you so much. It's really appreciate you having me on the opportunity to be with you, Brett. It's really a fun conversation to just dive into all these weird things that we've been trying to make sense of in this weird world, you know? Um, So people people can follow me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Glebe on YouTube at B Glebe, you know, YouTube slash B Glebe. It's a blast. It's a really... I try to put content up all the time, especially on Insta and Twitter. I do a five-day-a-week video series called Minute with Glebe, where I just do a take on different things in a minute or so. And I have a Patreon where you get the real behind-the-scenes stuff and bonus content, access to my shows when you don't have them, and free. Uh, you, or you get one-on-one video chats and letters from me and access to that community. And 
things that I'm embarrassed of. I don't post anywhere else, but I trust my Patreon community and I post it there <laughs> at, at, at patreon.com slash Ben And uh, it's just very fun to be able to find all these different ways to give your audience content that they like. Like I'm very dedicated to my audience and I want to always give them something that's interesting and unique and different. And so I'm constantly trying to find ways to do that. We're about to release our first ever Glebe Squad cards. Are these dope black cards that I'm not even going to show you what they look like yet, but they're going to be super cool. Nice, nice. Well, you've got it all together, my friend. And uh, cheers to a new year. Ben, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Happy New Year, buddy. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.